Salutations and shit, guys. Welcome to another episode of Travel and Shit, your new favorite travel podcast where I have more of a discussion on the experience of travel, what was learned versus um, the destination where I went and, you know, the fluffy shit that really nobody wants to hear about except for like your close friends and family and shit, you know? So welcome back. If you're new, welcome. And um, new old in between, I appreciate you being here. Um, Let's see. I'm just going to jump in. And if you're interested for whatever announcements there may be, stay tuned to the end. So this week I'm going to do, um, I guess what you would consider, or at least what I would consider like a refresher episode. I know that with um, a lot of states opening, summertime hitting, and... um, you know, I won't say an end to COVID because it's absolutely not over. It hasn't gone anywhere. But there have been um, restrictions lifted and there are more opportunities in the travel space right now. And I'm still seeing that a lot of people are, it's one of those things, one of those situations where just because it's old to you doesn't mean that it's just old news across the board. And so I am aware that there may be some people who are going to take the jump, take the plunge and embark on solo travel. Um, Even if you're not looking to start traveling now, a lot of people are using what they, um, I don't want to know, not I don't want to know, what they may perceive or may have as downtime. Um, or a little bit extra free time considering there aren't as many things to be doing outside of the home to look into travel when they do at some point feel uh, safe and comfortable going back into the world. And I decided that it would make sense to answer some of the, the I don't want to say basic in a condescending way, but um, to someone that's traveled a little more, it seems like a basic question. So in my mind is things like, oh, wait, people still like, oh, duh, this was me a few years ago. So I, um, you know, dug around in some DMs, through some text messages and spoke with a couple of friends. And then through, I guess, scrolling through a couple of the different uh, Facebook groups that I'm in. Can I say that Facebook groups are such a gem that I slept on for a long time. Like I really slept on Facebook groups, but I got to say I have gotten so much insight and a lot of questions answered um, in a lot of different areas, whether it be plants, travel, business. Um, Those are the three main groups that I personally um, partake in on the Facebooks and fucking love them. Absolutely love them. My dad jokes because... I was telling him something about plants or whatever. And I was just like, yeah. Oh, when Aldi had them $7 uh, fiddle leaf uh, plants. And I was telling my dad about it because my dad and I do like biweekly grocery runs. But we'll spend the entire morning. And by morning, I mean like he's at my door at 545. So we can be at the uh, store opening at 6, 630, depending on which one we go to. And um, we're home by like noon, give or take. 
But yeah, all morning, and we'll spend just jumping around to different stores. Anyway, I was telling him about them fiddle leaves, and I was like, yeah, um, you know, in the plant community, the plant world. And he's like, the fucking plant community? I'm like, my guy, it's a thing. I'm part of it. They they would like you there, you know. Everyone's welcome. But um, I've got to say how much of a gem Facebook groups really are. So if you haven't, whatever you're interested in, consider looking for a Facebook group for the um the interest and not only meet new e-friends, but also get a lot of information that you may be seeking. So I've got a couple of questions that I would like to go through. And I tried to go on live, but I forgot my laptop at home. So Shah has graciously lent me one that he has here. But I don't know if the Zoom is actually going to record to the cloud like I want it to. So, yeah, I I couldn't answer any of your questions live. So apologies to those of you who were on the live that I kind of disappeared on, but I really wanted to just get started and go. Um, So one of the questions that I've seen and gotten quite a few times is how do I travel solo? So I will honestly and without shame admit that I didn't travel for a long time because the idea of going by myself never really crossed my mind until I was like 30. So before, prior, I had the, I had a picture in my mind as to what my life would look like before I would be able to travel. I'd have a man, I'd have a a bomb ass group of friends. I'd have, which I do have a bomb ass group of friends. Let me be clear. Um, but I'd either go on bay trips or I'd go on like girls trips or I'd go on couples trips and, or just co-ed group trips, or I would have, um, this perfect job or whatever good job I was supposed to have making a certain amount of money. And I would be staying at these really fly ass resorts because this is all I'd seen. I'd either seen, um, people traveling with their significant others, family vacations, and, you know, the types of uh, trips that I mentioned. But I want to say I personally can thank Instagram and a couple of my homegirls, Marissa and um, Anissa. And I was about to say they were both been on the show, but I don't know if Missy's been on. That we've got to make happen, sis. Um But thanks to these two ladies, they definitely put the battery in my back and made sure that I knew that I was very much so capable of booking my own trips and that I didn't need to wait for um, an entire crew or for like that whole checklist of things that I thought I needed to travel. So I pulled the plug. A lot of my friends are married, have kids or have other um, life commitments that don't allow them to make spontaneous decisions like I do. But um, I ended up getting approved for like an Amex at one point. And I was like, all right, so I got a little bit of extra, you know, coin. I got a little space here. Let me let me let me go someplace. And as of now, I basically I won't say now, probably the past year and a half, I'd say I started just mostly just paying for my trips. I don't want to say cash, but I pay for them up front. You know what? That'll be another how do I pay for them? How do you 
pay for them. Because, again, your girl wrote some shit down. This way, I'm not all over the place. Because I appreciate you being here, and I'm trying to make this as easy for you to listen to as it is for me to talk about, you know? But I travel solo out of necessity. I didn't have that checklist of things that I thought I needed before I could go. And I was 30 and like, you know what? I've lived alone all this time. What is keeping me from traveling alone? I do most everything by myself for the most part. Like I quite enjoy my own company. So I feel like I shouldn't have um, a problem enjoying my company someplace else in the world. So how do I travel solo? I go. I don't go without fear, but I, for the most part, am pretty good. I don't want to say rationalizing my fear in the sense that I can always, I try to always name what I'm afraid of, pinpoint what it is I'm scared of in terms of traveling. I am not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not elevated, but I'm not evolved to the point where I don't, where I can name all of my fears and break everything down. I haven't reached that level of self actualization yet, but sis is working on it. But I try to actively choose or identify what it is that I'm afraid of so that I can then pick that fear apart and kind of dismantle it. So I discussed that in a prior episode and I don't want to like, be redundant, but it's not that I don't get scared. I just don't let this fear stop me. There are plenty of other things I'm afraid of in life that those fears absolutely do paralyze me from action. But in terms of travel, that's for me just one of the things that it's a fear that I'm comfortable leaning into. Um, I don't think that I've ever been to a destination that I've been afraid of. I do do some semblance of research before I go. So I always look for voices that sound like me from people that look like me. I'm looking at solo black female bloggers, solo black female uh, YouTubers. Um, And it's not that they're the only people that I listen to, but I'll give someone that doesn't look like me maybe five minutes of a video, like I I listen to them and feel them out to see if, okay, if I wouldn't fuck with you in real life, I'm not taking your advice either. So if you don't uh, come across to me as someone that I wouldn't be like turned off by in regular life, then I can probably sit through whatever your video is or your blog, or if the information comes recommended from uh, by someone else, then that I obviously would be more inclined to listen to that voice of a stranger that I don't necessarily identify with. So um, I always look into the destination that I'm going to. What is it? I'm not above doing touristy shit, but I also try not to be a very basic tourist person where I don't need all of the Instagrammable photos. I don't need to hit every one of those landmarks that's been, um, you know, popularized by photos on social media and stuff like that. Um, I especially don't wait on like lines for just photo opportunities. Like I don't think I've ever, I'd rather take a picture and like next to the line next with the thing that I want to take a picture with in it, as opposed to wait on the line just to take a picture. You know what I mean? Nothing has really stood out to me as something that I was that interested in that I wanted to stand in a line for. I know, um, two things that come to mind that really just, 
I wasn't that interested in was the, I think, what is it called? The mouth of truth in um, Rome, because it's not necessarily in the, what's the, the Pope's house, the Vatican. Vatican is the city. I think it's Vatican City is actually the city that's inside Rome, because Vatican City is its own city. But anyway, there was a line. I think I waited for like three minutes, and then I was just like, oh, no, I'm really just not that interested in putting my hand in. Like, I, I'd, I'm more interested in doing something else. I'd rather just grab a picture while they're in the midst of changing changing the guard, if you will. Like, there's somebody there that kind of monitors the front of the line, lets you get up there, take the picture, and then escorts the next person up. So I went outside the gate, and I just waited for that person to move, snapped a picture, went about my business. I even took a couple pictures of other people with their hand in there, like, okay, now for scale, I can see how big it would be next if I were there or something like that. But in all honesty, that's one thing that I just was like, no, it's just not that important to me. And the same thing with... um. Bali, that picture, I cannot pronounce it. I want to say it's something like Lumpenyang or something like that, but it's like the gate of heaven, I want to say, is the English translation. It's that photo that you see people where they've got like those two really tall like columns, uh, cement columns, and there's like generally a reflective surface underneath it that looks like water, which is a lie. It's not. It's just like they hold a piece of like plastic or something under the camera to make it look like it's water. It's all ground. And honestly, the surrounding area is a lot more beautiful to me than trying to get that like the trying to encapsulize or trying to memorialize that one image in a photo you can get that Im- you can get so much more than just that image and just taking a picture of the space that it's all in. But all that being said, it's just uh, certain things I look into before I go so that I am aware of where I want to put my attention and then what things my attention may need to be drawn to while I'm there. Basic stuff is like, now I think also what plays a role is I'm from the city. Like I live in New York, I work in Manhattan, I live in Queens. So I'm no stranger to large crowds. So for me, I know how to handle myself in a crowd. I know, you know, like basic try to keep your shit to yourself. All major cities and all tourist destinations are, you know, hotbeds for pickpockets and um, people that try to scam you for shit and stuff like that. So like that radar is is always on. So for the most part, I'll just look into a space and, look at what the internet generally says may be something to be aware of in the area. The uh, The website that I use, I want to say it's us.gov.travel or something like that. Like there's a US, um, I'll put the link in the description, but it's basically the one website that I always check when it comes to a city to find out what visas I need how much space in my passport I need. Some countries require that you have three months past the time that you're going to arrive or uh, like six months past the time that you're going to arrive on your passport. So like if your passport expires in April and it's, um, you know, say January or something like that, you and it needs six months, you need to renew your passport before you go so that you don't have any issues getting in or getting back. Um, So how do I travel solo? The same way I live. 
I live solo, so being alone someplace else isn't as, um, it doesn't give me any apprehension. It doesn't really, like, for me, I think that's just a, a character trait. Like, being by myself doesn't bother me. I enjoy it. So that part of the solo thing isn't an issue for me. So I think that your personality definitely has uh, something to, a role to play in that. Um, and also, I look up the place that I'm going to because it's not that I go to these places without fear. It's just that my fears going into it aren't necessarily um, unfounded fears, if that makes any sense. It's, you know, fears like, ooh, I'm new to the area. What time is it? How is my cell, first, my cell phone service? Like those are things, little things that you should consider are when you get there, how much access to your phone plan are you going to have so that if you do decide to adventure someplace are you going to have service are you going to be comfortable calling um or pulling up a calling your host or calling the hotel that you're staying at if hotels are your thing or um are you going to have access to a map so that you can just put the address of the destination that you're trying to get to is it um the area that you're going to, is it a space where you're going to be okay having your phone out and actively looking like you're looking for someplace? Because keep in mind, even people that are from a country look for places. But if you look very different, because for like in my city, I use the map all the fucking time because I have a shit sense of direction. And if I'm in a new area, I will absolutely use a map to figure out where I'm going. However, in New York, I don't necessarily stand out. So if you're in a country where you may stand out now, like identifying yourself as someone that doesn't know where they are, that's absolutely something that you should consider. That's why I do love uh, AirPods, earbuds, uh, regular ear plug into your phone. This way the phone can tell you where you're going. There's a, and you just don't have to walk with your phone up in your face, having it direct you like just use common sense. The same sense that I use when I navigate my own area, my own regular living life is the same sense that I use when I travel. So that's what my advice to you in terms of traveling solo and being afraid to go places. Look it up before you get there. Find out what kind of area that you're staying in. If you're not staying at a resort and you're staying at an Airbnb, absolutely look into, um, I always look into the the comments section, what type of commentary are the uh, people that stayed before me leaving? Are they talking disparagingly about the area? Is the neighborhood of concern? Those are always little things that I look for when I'm looking at the booking so that I know whether or not it's something that would be suitable for a solo traveler. Uh, next one was, I mentioned where I say, how do I book? And then, um, how do I do the things that I like in terms of excursions and stuff? Like, what do I use? I use the internet just the same way everybody else is use, uses the internet for fucking everything. I don't look for trips on Expedia. I am not above Expedia, but I prefer looking for my trips in pieces. And I also pay for my trips in pieces. So I'll answer all that in one thing. Um, I will use, I think it's Skyscanner to um, look for a flight that I can afford. Once I find, and I'd like, I tend to travel, excuse me, based on price. I don't travel based on where I want to go because the way my job is set up, I don't necessarily have 
that much luxury in choosing when my time is off because my time has to be approved by seniority orders. So it's kind of it's a little difficult to get like the prime times. So I can't say um, India is reasonably priced for my budget during the third week of November. So I put that week in and then get it approved. That's not how my time and leave is approved. So I basically put in whatever and whatever I get approved, I go from there. So once my time is approved, I will then look for flights that I can afford during the time that my, um, that my leave is going to be. So I use Skyscanner, Google Flights. Um, I've used Hopper before and I have booked on these third party apps where you're not booking directly with the airline. Um, I've used a couple of, I've, you know, taken the risk and booked with a couple of third party, um, I guess sites that I wasn't really familiar with in terms of like, if I found on Google flights, the best price was through some service. Like I think I booked with cheapo air at one point, cheapo air wasn't something that was familiar to me. And I ended up traveling, no problem. I need to figure out how to turn the notifications off at this point because they could leave me the hell alone. But I had no problems booking with Cheapo Air. I know I've used Hopper before. So things that I don't necessarily go to first for information, sometimes I tend to be redirected or rerouted to those services. So Skyscanner, Google Flights. I will also just go directly to the airline to see how um, much the flight to go where I want to go is. I also will use miles that I have. So I always keep a record of my known flyer number, my known flyer, God damn it, my known flyer number. And then of course, like the, uh, your points, uh, account number for the different airlines that you have, like your JetBlue, your Sky Miles for Delta, your, uh, American Airlines. Like I keep all of those member numbers so that whenever I fly an airline or an affiliated airline, I plug that bitch in so that I could get my points. I get, you know, you get your credit or however, whatever system they use to tally it up or whatever. And sometimes I will book a one-way flight or I'll book a certain portion of my trip with those points. I know when I went to Alberta, I ended up booking, I went through Seattle because everywhere that I was going, every route that I found to get to Alberta had a layover in Seattle. So what I did, I was meeting my friend. Um, hey, Chris, I was meeting Christina, uh, Christine at on like a Tuesday or some wild shit. So I wasn't going to blow the weekend beforehand. Like I wasn't going to not do anything Saturday through Monday. So I ended up going to Seattle. So I think I flew out Friday night or Saturday morning and I used a think it was JetBlue. I had enough points with JetBlue that I had um, a one way to Seattle covered. I didn't have to pay for that, that trip at all. So I flew to Seattle and then I booked my flight from Seattle to Alberta and then Alberta back to New York. Alberta's in Canada, if you're not certain. And it's beautiful. Incredible hiking. It was cold in Seattle, but not freezing. So I want to say, I don't remember. I'm trying to think of when during the year it was absolutely winter in Alberta, but I don't feel like it was um, necessarily full on winter in New York. I could be wrong though, but all that being said, absolutely look into 
the number of points that you have. You may not be able to get your whole round trip. You may not be able to get um, all of the flights covered or the entire one way. But if your flight is already going to have a layover, see if you can get to that layover destination for, I mean, using your points. This way you only have to pay for the remaining flights. Um, so I do that. I will use Expedia not for booking uh, airline airfare or accommodations, but for, uh, what do you call it, excursions. Absolutely love using Expedia for that, but my number one ace go-to for almost, if listen, if Airbnb started offering flights, I would absolutely consider booking my flights through Airbnb. So if y'all ain't thought about it, give it a, give it a, a, a think, give it a look, see if that's a thing, because if I could do all of my travel booking through the one app, the kid might be a fan. But I, um, and in terms of flights, I will pay for my flight first and then figure out my accommodations after, but not before I've decided that I can afford the accommodations. So my trip absolutely depends on where I can afford to go, but then also where I can afford to stay. I know the last place I was looking to go uh, last year, I was looking into... Let's just say, um, shit, what's the name of that island? Let's just say um, Barbados. You can probably, like, at the time, I think I found, like, a wild, cheap round-trip ticket. Maybe, like, let's just say I found a $300 round-trip ticket to uh, Barbados. But it's not Barbados. Wait, is Shah is always there, not it, I'm, it's bothering me just because I can't remember what it is right now. It's really not important, but it's just annoying me that I can't remember. But let's just say Barbados, $300 round trip, right up my alley, nice and expensive, decent um, seat, love it. But if it's going to cost me $300 a night in terms of accommodations, I don't give a fuck how cheap the flight the flight is, I'm not going. Because I wouldn't be able to enjoy myself while I'm out there. I'm not spending $1,000 just to stay once I get there. Because if I'm going to spend that much money on having some place to rest my head, guarantee everything else out there is also going to be expensive. So how am I getting from the airport to wherever I'm staying? How much is food where I'm going? How much are the excursions going to be? How much are souvenirs going to be? If I want to just go to... um, a museum, if for some reason I do want to go to a bar or a club or whatever, how much is that going to be? So I always gauge how well or how easily I'll be able to afford a destination based off of the um, the, accom- the cost of accommodations. And I personally always start at Airbnb. Hotels, I don't want to say aren't an option for me, but the, I, it, that type of, um, it just doesn't really interest me at this point. I'd much rather all the space to myself. And I feel like I blend in so much more when I'm walking out of an apartment or a house versus walking out of a hotel. I feel like that kind of puts you that, that makes me feel more like a target. And I was actually talking to another friend of mine who also travels a lot. And he was saying like, don't forget, like these people absolutely talk. So you have like a front desk attendant that will say, or give somebody a call and be like, all right, so we got one that's by herself. She's mad cute. And she just checked in and she's already talking about, you know, 
what kind of bars and places there are in the area so y'all can come through. You know what I mean? Like on some setup shit. So there are absolutely people that will take advantage of you if you, um, I don't want to say if you let them because it's absolutely not uh, like a victim blaming situation, but there are absolutely people that are ready to take advantage of you. So I just try to be aware of those kind of things. And for me, that's why I, that's another reason why I much rather come out of or be at, like if you're getting in a taxi from the middle of the city and they're bringing you back to a hotel, oh, they obviously, they absolutely know at this point, well, not absolutely, because you could be doing anything at a hotel, but they are more inclined to think that you are a tourist and rip you off or for the, the feet, the, what do you call it? For the, the amount that it costs to get you to where you're going or it like, it's just, I can think of a million ways that something can go wrong. So, and shout out to my homie for putting that into the atmosphere. Also, I totally forgot that that's something that I don't really, I don't like making, making myself look like I'm not from a place. I like to really just blend in as much as possible. So back to the apps, I will absolutely use Expedia for experiences and excursions. I also love Airbnb for not just my accommodations, but for experiences as well. Um, I will also use Viator. Viator is another app. Those three, my go-tos. I always look and I always price compare as well. I find that Expedia is more... Like Expedia generally is the first app that I notice will upcharge for solo travel. And that's another thing that I'm worried about this post Corona uh, travel, I guess, environment that we're swinging into is because of the nature of the, the virus. It's social distancing. I, already like doing things by myself. So my fear now is that people are going to upsell the idea of doing it in small groups or doing it by yourself. There are already certain costs or um, additional fees associated with those types of experiences. And the last thing that I want is somebody to try to capitalize off of that by now upping the price because even more people are going to be wanting to do things in small groups. I love a good small group trip. I always go for the small group option or, and I've lucked out where the most enjoyable experiences I've had have generally been solo trips where I've been the only person that has booked that experience. I will never, never, never stop raving about the incredible experience that I had with surf Guada in Guadalupe also from Marlon of I want to say I think he's local Cartagena I think he's local Cartagena tours on um Instagram so let me write that down so I can put it in the description for you so surf Guada I gotta tell you and Marlon so I ended up being the only person on both of those experiences and hands down incredible days everything gets catered to you like they'll take pictures for you you've for the most part if you've got like a good host um somewhat like good conversation they take great pictures and I just really love it it makes you feel like you're not traveling by yourself and for me that has been like meeting new people while I travel 
making friends, not just meeting new people, but making friends all around the world. And in these experiences where you're doing things that you already like doing and experiencing different activities that you don't get to do while you're home. It's just one of the most enjoyable parts of travel for me. So I am, it's kind of like, I don't want to say it's like a bandwagon thing because I absolutely want everyone to have incredible experiences when they travel. However, I already get charged more for being a solo traveler just because one, everything's out of your pocket. Two, if a lot of these, um, Apps, like I'd mentioned, do an upcharge for solo travelers. Because technically, I mean, granted, in many situations, it's fair. In every situation, no, but in some, yes. Like, I generally, depending on who I'm booking with or what the experience is, experience is, I don't often get charged for them coming to pick me up and dropping me off. So if the experience is $85, a lot of times that's in the booking. Like someone will pick you up from where you're staying and then drop you right back at your door. So um, as opposed to when you're doing a larger trip, for the most part, you're meeting at that destination or there are um, pre-identified pickup spots that you have to get to. So for the most part, with those large, well, not for the most part, with those large trips, even though some of them tend to be a little, um, of course, less expensive because more people are going, but the large trips that I do are generally the um, further away and all day, like really long trips. So I'll do like an all day uh, bus tour kind of thing. Like I know when I went to Barcelona, I want to say I spent like $110, $120. And I had to be at city center in Barcelona. And it was like a packed coach bus of different people. And we hit northern Spain, Andorra, and France. And it was like a 13, 18-hour day. But it was incredible. You spend the one fee, three countries, incredible scenery, and then you got a ton of people that you can talk to. Um, So I've had really great group experiences where you meet one or two. Even in Colombia, I met a ton of mad cool people that I still fuck with, that I still DM. We check up on each other and... We always in each other's comments, bigging each other up in uh, Colombia. And then you find people that actually know people that you know in real life. Like, I know his IG name is Real Spiffy. He knows mad at the dudes from Worldwide FGI. So it's like small fucking world. Brooklyn is everywhere. You know what I mean? Like, wherever you go, it's somebody from Brooklyn. So big up to Brooklyn. Love y'all too. I'm a Queens girl, so you know. Loves me a Brooklyn nigga. All that being said, and... Real spiffy shit. What was, I think it's Soraya Sari V. I don't know. Mad sweet. She's mad cool. She actually helped me figure out how to get to an, uh, an experience that I couldn't find online. I ended up, that's how I met Marlon. Marlon was actually on the group trip. And so it's like, you go meet these people, you make connections and then more happens. Like you're, more opportunity just gets dropped in your lap. So I find that for me, I tend to experience myself as more of an extrovert while I'm traveling. Whereas at home, I'm very much to myself and I don't really interact with people around me as easily as I do when I travel. So Expedia, Viator, Airbnb, 
I think that will, those are the main three that I use in terms of booking experiences. Oh, here's a, a hack for that. I usually go, I usually travel for a week. Be careful when you book your experiences for two reasons in particular. Well, two, yeah, I guess, watch out for two experiences. I don't really know how to phrase it, but here's the shits. I use a loose calendar, if you will. So if I'm going from, let's just say, Monday to Friday, and there are 12 different experiences that I'm just interested in, I always look at it, uh, I look at the weather, because a lot of the shit I, most of the shit I do is outside or water related or hiking and stuff like that. So I look at the um, weather at the in that space, if I can get a good gauge of what the weather is. Another one of those things that you can't really do much about, so don't base all of your trip on the weather, but keep it in mind. I look at the weather. What day is it going to rain? If it's going to rain on Tuesday, I'm not b- booking a beach day on the fucking Tuesday. So I look at the, the different things that I think I want to do, and I plug them in in this calendar so that I can see what days they're available. Sometimes um, experiences that you want to do are only available to be done on certain days of the week. So let's say the incredible time I had with the folks over at Surf Guada, they only do uh, experiences, let's say, on Tuesday, Thursday. I'm not certain if that's one of their restrictions. Absolutely check the link in the description. But let's just say they only do Tuesday, Thursday. So I don't want to book something else on a Tuesday and miss out on the opportunity to do something else. So I will write Monday through Friday on a piece of paper, have the five columns, and then on every day that that experience is available, I will write it in on that day of the week. I'll also write next to it like what time it is. So is it an 8 a.m. experience? Do they have to pick me up an hour or two before that? If it's a sunrise hike, what time are they coming to pick me up? Are they coming to pick me up at midnight that that morning? Because technically midnight is morning, y'all. But even though it's at night, are they coming to pick me up at midnight? Is this an 8 a.m. excursion? Am I, and then I look into how much time it expects for the experience to last. Because if I'm going to be in the city center doing one thing, and there's something else in that general vicinity that I want to do, I'm absolutely going to book that all for the same fucking day because I don't want to spend on a taxi or I don't want to waste the time walking into one area numerous days when I could be totally exploring something else. So I write a calendar Monday through Friday, just take a piece of paper, and you just do a bunch of columns. Use this as an example. I don't know if y'all can see. So like Monday through Friday, and then I write each day that the that the experience is available. If it's a morning thing, of course, it goes at the top. If it's an afternoon, you write it. Detail that however it makes sense for you. So I write that out, and then I go through that list and say, all right, Monday, these are my options. This is only available this day. This way you don't overlap because I've absolutely had the experience where I want to do something, but I fucked up and booked something that could be done on five days of the week on a day that a secondary option was only available on that one day. So if something is available five days out of the week and something else you want to do is available only one day a week, make sure you're not booking something that can be done on any other day on the one day that the other option is only available. I hope that makes sense to you. In my head, it kind of sounds like I over-talked it so that I made it more confusing, but... 
that's also another skill that I have. I can really confuse y'all motherfuckers. So hopefully I didn't make that confusing. And if it seems like it's something that you really want to try to do and you didn't really understand it, hit the kid up. I will walk you through it. The op, the next thing that has to do with that is don't always wait until the last minute to book your shit. Here's why happened to me in Doha. I knew that I wanted to do a desert tour. I wanted to do the whole drive through the desert and experience it. Cause I, from the city, I ain't never seen a desert in my black ass life. Absolutely was not going to get that far and not see a desert. However, I didn't gauge how much time in advance I had to um, keep in, I guess, space to do it, if that makes sense. If you have to book it, Three days in advance, don't wait till the day you get there to try to book it. So I was only in Doha for, uh, let's say, two nights. And the experience that I wanted to do, you needed to do three days in advance. So I obviously didn't have time to, I didn't give, like I didn't give myself enough time to book the experience. I ended up, I don't want to say overpaying because the experience I got was absolutely worth the money but I spent so much more than I anticipated paying like it was advertised as like a $75 $75 experience I ended up spending like $300 on the shit because it was just me it was last minute and I ended up booking it through the hotel that I stayed at at this time I was staying at hotels because I was still new to traveling and ergo the error that I made by not looking into how far in advance I would need to book something. There are absolutely plenty of experiences that you can do that you can book same day. There are absolutely other experiences that, like I just said, you need time in advance. So don't, unless you're okay with not necessarily doing everything that you have on your list of things that you must do, look into how much time you're going to need in advance to book your experience. This way you don't get shit. You don't shit on yourself. You, you fuck yourself over without before you even get there. So if you can do it same day, absolutely wait till the same day if you would like to. But don't wait until the last minute to look into it. That's something you should know before you leave. So let's see. Um, answered that. Answered that. Okay. Another question people I see and one of my friends asked was, what's a good starter trip? Someone says that, okay, I'm scared, but I want to go. I don't know where I should go. Uh, What's your advice? Depending on what your, I don't want to say personality is, but I would say what your comfort level is, absolutely don't go that far. If you're afraid of being by yourself or if you've got a lot of apprehensions about safety and you know, whatever concerns come to mind, you don't have to go to the opposite side of the world. The first place I went, not intentionally, but the first place I went was Bermuda. And I knew my mom had been to Bermuda. She's the one that suggested it. I had told this millions of times. I was supposed to go to Martinique. That was going to be my first international trip. And I had everything planned down to the hour. Won't say the minute because I'm not that extreme, but I'd say it was planned down absolutely to the day. And then I knew exactly what I'd be doing every day at just about every hour of the day within reason. I'm being a little extra, but you get the point. Did a lot of planning. 
Shit got canceled. Last minute, decided to go to Bermuda with my mom's advice. And I knew that, God forbid, something happened. The flight's three hours away. If somebody needs to come get me or if some shit really goes left, I'm not that far. So I would absolutely suggest going someplace that you're not that far from or that someone you know is somewhat familiar with. So if you have any questions or any concerns or if something comes up while you're there, you can reach out to this person and ask what their opinion is or they can, you know, weigh in on some kind of question or some area that you find you may need advice in. So look into places that you've had uh, friends and family visit or destinations that just aren't that far from you, especially with the way uh, travel is situated right now. Um, consider a road trip. I don't know. I'm not advocating for you going to necessarily a state where COVID levels are high. Like here in New York, we don't want nobody over here. If you come in from any of them states, basically south of Kentucky, you got to self-quarantine. So that's not to say, you know, drive out to uh, Miami or drive down to Atlanta or go to, you know, just someplace without reason. But go up north. Visit um, fucking Maine is the first place that came to mind, you know. Um, visit Rhode Island. Visit um Kentucky, I don't know. You can absolutely find some place that you can drive to. You can find some place in your own fucking state. You can go um, here in New York, go to Bear Mountain, go to Lake George, go to the Hamptons, go to Martha's, go to um, Sag Harbor. Um, there are a lot of places that you can get to within, you know, a couple of hours. It's not that far. God forbid you get there, you don't like it, something goes wrong, turn that ass around. You can go home or sleep on it, then leave the next day. You don't have to stay the entire time that you had initially intended to be there. So one suggestion is to just go someplace close. Also, you don't have to take a two-week trip. Your first trip doesn't have to be a month long. You can absolutely do a nearby weekend trip. You can fly someplace like um, like Mexico for three, four days. You can fly to, you know, an island that's not too far from wherever it is that you are and test the waters, test how you feel about not being too close. Now, mind you, let's just keep in mind that all this travel advice is for when it is safe for you to go medically and safe for you emotionally and spiritually to go. This isn't me telling you to have a hot girl summer in 2020. This is me. If that's your flex and that's what you want to do, since you grown, bro, it's on you. You do what you black ass want to do. I'm saying whenever the time comes that you feel safe to go and there are restrictions in place that keep your safety and other people's safety in mind, go with God. Here's my advice on how I did it pre-corona. Keep in mind that you gotta, that ass needs to look into what the quarantine situations are and the location that you're going to and what your quarantine situation is going to look like when you come back home. Certain countries aren't really going to give you a, um, a hard time getting there. But when you come back, are you going to be uh, required to quarantine? Are you going to have somebody coming to check up on you? God forbid you get sick. There's fines floating around in different areas for different amounts for different causes and different um, interactions and shit. So that's the kind of stuff that you want to look into pre-travel during Corona. So take that risk, you know, as you want. I personally don't have the energy to research something that much. When I travel, I don't 
do that much. I, I do really loose research. I'm more of an indecisive person. So I don't want to say that I try to get as least amount of information as possible, but I low key try to get the least amount of information possible. Um, but that being said, um, absolutely carefully look into these places, but, um, starter trips that I think are a good idea are places that aren't that far. Also, um, absolutely something that is probably a little under budget this way. You places where you're unfamiliar with different things or different areas that you may be taken advantage of, you don't end up like really losing out in the long run. Or for some reason, your inexperience in something doesn't like stresses you out to the point where you're not really able to fully enjoy it. You haven't spent $3,000 on a trip and, you know, we're stressed about the whole experience because you were trying to navigate and figure everything out as you went along. So I'd absolutely make sh- say to make sure that you stay within a budget that feels good for you, that feels under budget, something that you feel like, all right, well, if I threw this money away, I wouldn't really hate myself. So that's another thing. Um, I know that in that list, somebody had asked, what about cruises? I am not your cruise girl. I have never been on a cruise. And in the spirit of adventure, I would absolutely go on a cruise just to see if I like it because I don't believe adults should say that they don't like things that they've never tried before. But the idea of a cruise doesn't really appeal to me. I I feel as if I will feel very restricted with that whole, you have to be back to the ship at this time. This is when we're leaving. What if I decide that I love this island? What if I decide that this beach, yo, I would like to find a little Airbnb or room or something that I can stay here and wake up and see that when I have already booked my Airbnb or my hotel or my accommodations and I'm like in the country free to move in the area. I feel as if I'm more available to be spontaneous in terms of the decisions that I make. And for me, my perception of cruises is that there's so much to do on the ship, but I feel like I don't want to go and spend time on a ship. I want to go and explore the destination. I want to go explore the country and the different cities and the neighborhoods and the people and the foods and the culture and all the plethora of shit there is to do in any area. And I, the idea of doing that on a ship doesn't really, it don't appeal that much to me right now. So I would absolutely go on a cruise, but just to see if I actually don't like it to prove or disprove my theory, essentially. So I ain't the one to give you no cruise advice. I don't have any, you know, um, the one thing that I will say is appealing about a cruise is that you're able to hit so many different destinations for such a lower price. Like you could probably book a $700 cruise. And that includes, for the most part, all your travel and accommodations. You just got to get to wherever the port is, whether that's a, you know, a flight to Miami or if you're pulling out of New York docks or however, wherever them shits leave, leave from, you just got to be able to get to the to the dock or the port or whatever they consider it. And then for a relatively reasonable amount, you got some place to stay and they're going to take you to some bomb places. So... For that aspect of it, I could absolutely see being able to hit a couple different islands for the one price. I could give it a spin for that reason. But, uh, you know, I would prefer to be able to 
go to sleep and wake up in a destination to really get a feel for it. But it ain't like I've never had layovers where, you know, I barely had more than 12 hours in a space and absolutely love the city. So worth the shot, worth the shot. But yeah, me, not really the cruise girl. Um, in terms of cheap destinations, I've had that question asked, what are good cheap places? I think that hmm, kind of tough to call at this point, considering Europe is not opening. The last I heard, Europe was not opening its borders to us. One of the things that would always frustrate me about seeing uh, people update things like, oh, I just found a $300 flight to Paris. Yeah, I feel like I see them all the time. It, it, I don't think that it necessarily is a location that is all, I mean, some places depend, and it also depends on where you're flying from. I always leave from JFK or um, if the price is really, really drastically different, like if it's a $150 difference, then I'll fly out of like LaGuardia or Newark, but it's got to be like over $150 to $150 to like $250 difference. Otherwise, I'd rather spend the $100 and just fly from JFK or I'd rather depending on what time the flight is and how easy or not, just because it's easier for me to get to JFK. That being said, a lot of times if you just change your airport that you're flying in and out of, you can get there a lot cheaper. Also, if you're going to someplace in Europe, consider just going to a neighboring country and paying less. So if at the time you're looking to travel, say you do want to go to Paris and when the window you have available is um, if you've got week, the first week of May available and the flights during that week are $500 and you don't want to spend $500 on your flight to Paris, you could absolutely fly into say um, Barcelona if that is cheaper, like look to find the neighboring, this is for Europe, look into the neighboring countries because you can absolutely find a really, really inexpensive flight from one country to another country in Europe. I think I've spent as low as maybe like $13 for a flight just, um, and I've been able to see so many more places. Just, you just got to find, just find the cheapest country to get into, into Europe and then figure it out from there. So in terms of cheap places, I think that Europe is one of the easiest ways or the most cost-effective ways to see the most places in one area. Because once you get in, travel between the countries is relatively easy. However, this was pre-corona. I don't know what the future is going to look like, so I can't promise you that that's something that you may be able to, um, an opportunity you may be able to seize when the time comes, but it's absolutely something that you can look into. Um, I've benefited from it numerous times. Um, and like I said, I use those apps to basically find trips that I can afford from the time that I'm going. I can't plan in advance in advance for when something is going to be cheap. But um, I want to say websites. I don't know if it's an app or not, but I think it's Scott's Cheap Scott's Cheap Travel or Scott's Cheap Flight, some shit like that. 
there are certain sites that will just send you alerts and send you updates when uh, the prices for trips go low. There are a lot of um, fair deals that you can sign up for or different sites that you can look up to uh, look up that will give you flight deals or um, fair errors. Like when they misprice something and for some reason, like you find a $300 round trip ticket to China. You know what I mean? Like, so if you have, if you have flexibility with your travel, that's absolutely something that you can look into sign up for one of those programs or sign up for one of those newsletters, emails or whatever, so that you can just book when shit is cheap. That's always, always an option. Um, so in terms of cheap destinations, it all depends on how you have to travel. So that's definitely something that I can't really answer directly without having more information for you. Um, What else did I do? Oh, how do you pack? Boom. Fun one, right? So packing is very subjective, but what I will say is I'm absolutely team carry on. I don't believe in checked luggage just because I'm impatient. I don't like waiting for bags when I get off. Once I land, I want to get out of the airport. I want to hit customs, go where I need to go, get a taxi, get on the train, what the fuck ever. I want to get out of the airport as fast as possible. I don't enjoy airports, y'all. All that being said, I try to really travel with maybe two pairs of shoes. If I can get away with one, I absolutely will. I always travel with flip-flops because I don't believe in being barefoot in a stranger's bathroom or shower or just walking around barefoot in most floors for the most part. Like it, it is real touch and go. And I always travel with travel socks. Like I have, I love like fuzzy fun house socks. So I always travel with my penguin socks. My mom bought me this really cute pair of penguin socks and they're real fuzzy and comfortable. And I bring them with me everywhere. And so those are kind of like my house slippers when I go places but in terms of shoes, I try. I wear chucks everywhere. I'm not really a sneakers kind of girl. So if the weather calls for chucks, because as much as I love a good pair of chucks, they are not built for rain. So, But I do have rubber chucks. They're one of my favorite pairs of sneakers. They're these fly-ass gold metallic high-top chucks. And when it rains, or if I know that I'm going to a destination that's going to have rain, I absolutely bring those. And I also have another pair of just boots that I wear, not knee boots, but like not hiking boots, but like, or not comp, nigga, they boots. I don't really know how to further describe it. They ain't Doc Martens. They're not that heavy duty, but like they're cute. I like them. I'm a very white tee cutoffs or white tee and some jeans. I'm a very simple person. I don't do or need that many looks. Um, Give me some t-shirts and some jeans. Let's not get it twisted, though. Every once in a while, a bitch wants to get cute. So I'll absolutely just dress for what the weather is. But I try to keep it, um, and I'm pretty small, so my clothes don't really take up that much space. So I definitely, definitely, definitely just don't travel with a lot of shoes just because that weighs my luggage down. I don't wear makeup, so I don't have to pack makeup. I don't do, I don't have hair, so I don't need to pack that hair shit. Like, I mean, I might have... Um, a bottle like castor oil that I bring with me or, you know, I absolutely bring shampoo and conditioner with me everywhere that I'm going. So that that's it. So I don't have to check a bag because my product, my hair product, you know, is over the three ounces or I have 
product that I just need a lot of. So check baggage, not a thing for me. Everything will fit in a carry-on. I always travel with a backpack because what I will say is if you're going to be walking, hiking, doing a lot of moving around, I absolutely make sure that I have, especially if I'm doing like an all-day kind of trip, I always bring a backpack. So I have like a cloth backpack that's kind of like a pocketbook kind of backpack, but then I also have the backpack that I travel with where I keep like my toiletries in there. I keep like, um, you know, all my personal shit. Like I'm not really a pocketbook kind of girl. I carry a backpack every day for the most part or a big tote bag. Um, so all that being said, that same backpack that I travel with, I try to make sure that if I am going to be hiking, that I bring my hiking backpack just because it makes a difference. I learned the hard way. I ended up having the backpack that I hike with is separate, is different than the backpack that I kind of travel with. So if I'm not intending to hike in particular, I will just bring a regular, um, I think it's like a Converse uh, Army Fatigue backpack versus, I think it's pronounced Danky or Danicky. I don't fucking know. I got it in Alberta because I learned the hard way that that little cloth backpack that I picked up in Costa Rica that's so, so cute and sentimental hurts your fucking back and it feels uncomfortable after eight hours of having it on your back and it's heavy and now you feel ridiculous. So now that's another note in terms of packing. Be sure that you bring whatever kind of pocketbook or um, item item securing vehicle or receptacle, if you will, that you're going to need. I personally believe in a good crossbody because I'm very hands-free. I don't like having to hold on to shit. I don't like having to have to put something down if I'm going to be doing something with my hands. Um, and I always get one that I can zip up just so that I don't uh, have to worry about people quickly sneaking their hands in and out of my shit. Um, so it, when it comes to packing, I try to be as minimal as possible. I always, 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 always travel with like two pairs of leggings only because sometimes weather will surprise you. Even if you're going to a very tropical or a hot destination, you don't necessarily know what the air quality is going to be in the place that you're going to stay. So what if it's fucking freezing? What if the AC is either all the way on or off? So the last thing you want to do is just be uncomfortable when you're in the house, if you will. So I always have a pair of leggings. I always bring this, um, you know, those um, chambray shirts, like a denim button up kind of thing. Those kind of go with everything. I always bring one of those as like a light sweater so that when you tie it around your waist, you don't look fucking crazy. Um, I travel generally like if I'm going someplace hot and I'm leaving from someplace cold, I always carry um, what's it called? I have a fleece. I travel with a fleece just because this one fleece that I have is warm as so airplanes, I'm always cold on. I don't care if I'm leaving 80 degree weather to go to 102 degree weather. I'm wearing a fucking fleece on the air and on the airplane because it's cold. The bitch is cold because I always keep them air vents on because you're going to give me all of that fresh air. I don't, I don't want whoever these people are around me. Give me the fresh air. Let this nice filtered as nice and filtered as airplane air is going to be. Oddly enough, I was watching on the news this morning. Delta was doing a breakdown of how they filter all the air and if they're really doing what they say that they're doing and the people that are doing it are following all the regulations and the rules and the standards in place to keep the air clean, the shit don't look that bad. You'd be pretty straight sitting on a plane. All that being said, 
the bitch is cold. So I always carry a fleece and um, I always bring a bathing suit regardless if I think I'm going to swim or not. If I know I'm going to swim, I bring mad swimsuits. So I think that you bring your staples, travel with as few pairs of shoes as possible. I know people say, oh, well, what if you go out? What if you go to a nice event? If I can't get in, in chucks, I don't want to go. That's me in regular life as is. It's just the type of person I am, so I don't need to bring a pair of heels. If you're a different kind of motherfucker, that's on you. Feel free to, feel free to bring what feels good for you. If you like wearing high heels everywhere, bitch, wear them heels. You're you, not me. I don't, I, I can't. Um, and nor would I suggest that you step outside of what your comfort zone is unless, unless you're going someplace where it would be socially unacceptable or disrespectful for you to do your norm. I am very American. I wear short shorts. I wear tube tops, tank tops, uh, shit that's revealing in a lot of cases. So there are certain countries where that's not okay. I learned the hard way, not the hard way, but it was quite surprising to me um, when I was packing for Doha, which is a predominantly Muslim, mu- Muslim, Muslim country. And I actually went during Ramadan. Um, so I don't believe in not being who you are in any aspect, but I also don't believe in disrespecting somebody else in their house. So if women in the country that I'm going to don't wear, um, you know, shorts above the knee or if they don't expose their legs, then I'm going to wear jeans. If they if the women in the country don't expose their shoulders or like their um, you know, their chests or if they don't wear shirts above the elbow, then I'm going to make sure that I have a shirt that is going to cover everything. So. That can be difficult if you don't have weather appropriate clothes that kind of cover uh, that are more modest. So it's easy to say, oh, just wear, you know, long sleeve shirts or wear jeans. But not everything is made the same. So we all know that we've got jeans that we wear in the summertime and then jeans that we wear in the winter. If you don't, that's cool. But I know that there are certain jeans that the way they're cut or if my ankles is hanging out, I ain't wearing them in the snow. Those are more summer jeans and shit like that. Also, same with long sleeve shirts. Not all long sleeve. Sh- I ain't wearing sweaters are long sleeves. Hoodies are long sleeves. But I'm absolutely not wearing a fucking sweaty sweater or a hoodie in um, 97 degree weather. So I had to go out and buy really flowy. Um, I'm a very loose fitting kind of person anyway, for the most part. So I had to go out and buy loose fitting um, uh, like light material sweaters just so that I could cover my shoulders and make sure that my arms were covered um, and shit that would kind of go with everything. So I didn't buy a really cute pattern. I bought like a neutral pink or like a neutral mauve or whatever color so that it could kind of go with whatever I wanted to add it to or whatever I had to um, whatever I normally would have worn. And it would just be an accessory to go on top. Or um, having, depending on where you're going, having a really, really good scarf, like a, uh, in terms of really good, I mean like really wide, like a big scarf that you can use either as a head covering, you can use it as like a sarong, like a skirt that you tie around your waist if you're going to visit a temple, or something that you can cover your shoulders with if you're going to go into a holy place and you can't go in in a tank top. This way you don't have to rent those pieces 
or risk not being admitted to the destination once you get there. So that's definitely something that you can bring with yourself so that if you're leaving someplace like, um, you know, a holy space or a religious space, you can um, be respectful in that space. But then once you leave there, if you're in a space where it doesn't matter that your shoulders or your legs are covering, you could absolutely take it off and then just go back to wearing shorts and a tank top or shorts and whatever at that point. So those are like staple pieces that I would absolutely suggest that you bring with you wherever you're going to go. Because the last thing you want to do is be uncomfortable someplace where you're already likely to be more uncomfortable than you would be if you were home. Um, And also you don't want to have to be a slave to having to buy things when you get there or having to find things when you get there. Because keep in mind, size may be a factor. I'm a small person, but buying shit in China, buying shit in Asian countries... It can, it's a little, ooh, for me as well. And I'm small, like small. And by small, I mean, I think on average I wear like a six, eight. Some, it depends on how it's cut or what I'm doing. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So if you're bigger than me, it can be really difficult to find certain sizes in certain countries. So um, that's absolutely something to consider. You don't want to just, I'll get it when I get there. Because you don't know what your options are always going to be when you get there. Also, you don't necessarily want to spend $200 on something that you know you could get for 40 You know what I mean? Just because your options may be limited when you get there. So absolutely just try to, I personally, try to stick with um, core basics. Things that will go with a lot of different things. I never like being cold, so I always have... Um, I always wear a pair of jeans on the plane just because cold legs, not fun at all. So I always wear jeans and I always carry uh, travel with my uh, fleece so that I'm not cold on the plane. Um, In terms of packing otherwise, don't forget to consider what the weather is when you're there. If it's going to be rainy, don't wear flip-flops everywhere if you don't want your feet wet. Um, If you know you're going to be doing a lot of walking, wear comfortable shoes. If you're going someplace that's going to be very city-oriented or if they're not as developed and there's going to be like a lot more dirt roads or dirt places that you're going to be in, you don't necessarily want to wear um, sandals that are between all your toes if that's going to start hurting your feet after walking a lot. So consider what it is that you're going to be doing when you get there and then realize that not everything has to be grammable. Who cares if you're wearing the same pair of jeans if you got a fresh pair of drawers on, bro? Make sure you bring plenty of underwear. You can rewear a pair of jeans and just change your tops or, um, you know, add different things. I mean, you're getting dressed. Same way you would kind of get dressed here. It's really not rocket science. You know what I mean? I feel like we're all adults. Um, uh, terms never forget sunscreen. Anissa would be, pl- would be proud of me. Um, sunscreen everywhere. Bug spray, bug spray, bug spray, bug spray. I personally prefer natural alternatives. I always bring like skin so soft in a container just because for me, historically, that's always worked great. But probably with as of the last three years, two, three years, I almost exclusively wear shea nut oil mixed with um, lemongrass. I am not a perfume girl. I don't wear perfumes. I prefer essential oils. So I put lemongrass essential oil in my shea nut oil. And that concoction does pretty well for me in terms of bug repellent. Um, So 
If you're going someplace, absolutely bring your own bug repellent because that's one of the hardest things to find, especially if it's someplace where the locals are just kind of used to the bugs there and they don't really sell it. Or it can be wildly expensive for you to buy it because they know that it's going to be marketed to tourists and not to locals. So that's something to consider. Um, And then your basic shit, like what do you need in the morning? Do you need contact solution? Make sure you bring it. If you need um, tampons, pads, make sure you bring them because the last thing you want to do is get caught out in another country. And it can be very difficult to navigate grocery stores and stores when you don't speak the language. You'd be surprised how much pictures are cool, but in terms of marketing and where you're going and what it is you're looking for, words are important. Absolutely download Google Translate um, app on your phone or whatever app you decide that you want to use. I personally love Google Translate. Make sure that you download the language that you're going to be using when you get there before you get there. Because the last thing you want to happen is for you to get off the airport or get someplace, don't have good service or don't have good Wi-Fi, and you not really be able to translate it because you don't have the uh, language downloaded into your phone in advance. So pro tip in that t- in that sense. Um, I think for the most part that is, I think that's that's a lot. For, you know, just solo travel starter pack, if you will. Um, Revisiting some common questions that are asked by people who are new to travel or who are traveling solo for the first time. Um, I hope that was useful. If you have anything that you want me to further expound upon or if you have any questions in particular that I didn't cover, um, absolutely feel free to uh, DM me. You can get me at underscore D-C-A-R-R-I-E. So it's underscore D-Carry. Or you can DM me at travel and shit. It's the word travel. T-R-A-V-E-L, the letter N, and then S-H underscore T. Or you can send me an email at uh, D-Carry at travel and com. So I am very accessible. I'm here. Um kind of got the time. So if you need help with something, uh, if you're looking into, I don't book trips. That's not my thing. I can absolutely answer questions for you so you can book your own shit, but I'm all the way in for helping. If you have um, any questions, Um, if you are interested in traveling shit merch, um, it's available at, you could either go to the link in my bio or go to travelandshippodcast.com uh t-shirts tanks totes cell phone cases um what else it's a ton of shit up there I have a really good time just designing it and making it and it ain't like when I say designing I'm doing nothing difficult I just like moving the designs around and do I want a small logo do I want a big logo shit like that is fun for me so if you fuck with the kid please rate um and comment or review the podcast on whatever platform that you listen to, whether it be uh, Google, uh, SoundCloud, um, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, whatever it is. I'd really appreciate if you rate it and um, review it this way because uh, we all know interaction equals traction and the more that you engage, the more people will see it. So I'd appreciate that, folks. Um, that's pretty much it. Appreciate you guys being here for me. Um, and I will see y'all niggas at the next episode.
Bye.